Welcome back, friends, for another episode, and this one is brought to you by the CS Handyman. Alan does a great job with any sort of home improvement project that you can think of. Whatever you need done to your house or townhome, he's got you covered. Maybe you even have a rental property and some college student just left, and he left a hole in the sheetrock from a party they had one weekend. Well, he can come over, have that thing patched up and looking like it never even happened so you can get new tenants in ASAP and keep the income rolling. Alan's a great guy. We've used him for work before and we were not disappointed. In fact, that's why we're suggesting him here because we believe in the work that Alan does. If you're in the Bryan College Station, Texas area, give him a call at 979-217-5121. That's 979-217-5121. My guest today is a business owner himself, well, quite a few different businesses. His name's Ari K. Now, he's a black belt in several different martial arts. He owns his own jiu-jitsu gym. He owns a tape company that does some athletic tape that's coming out right now, Fuzz Tape. Uh, it's going to be really fun. You'll hear about it in the podcast. Uh, Chaos, which is silicone rings and watches. He's just into so many different things, a wide variety of stuff. He's a police officer. He loves Viking stuff. He plays Dungeons and Dragons. You name it. Whatever there's out there, whatever's unique, Ari's into it. And he's also a fascinating interview because he listens to what you say and then he comes back with these original thoughts that really makes you question how you say things and what you say. He really is going to make me a better host because I'm going to sit on the things that he said and, and really think about them. And choose my words better and be a better just host all the way around. Anyway, I'm blabbering on. Ari's an awesome guy. Everybody needs to be surrounded by people like him. So please enjoy this wonderful conversation with Ari K. All right, there you go. Um, you just said something so crazy to me that blew my mind. You said you had a philosophy teacher that said just because it's politi- politically correct doesn't mean it's right. Correct. Yep. I used to say that all the time. That's insane that you had like, you don't normally hear of professors or teachers or something like that saying, making statements that way. Oh, he was a very interesting person. Um, He also used to say, and people tend to do this. He used to say, that's to explain the obscure by the more obscure. And we find that that happens often too. People are trying to explain something. Uh, about some point and then they go further down the rabbit hole with something super obscure and it doesn't really doesn't jibe with the original point so I know I spent a lot of times time walking the halls of university and talking about things that I haven't talked about since so (laughs) so where did you go to school exactly then I went to the University of Victoria Victoria yep in in Canada and uh, did my philosophy degree and uh, God, I graded in, uh, 99. So yeah, it's been a while. Yeah. And did you go straight into being, uh, an officer, a police officer, law enforcement from there, or did you do something different to start out with? No, I, uh, I've done, a, I've done a ton of things. So, um, I was in some of the occupations that I've held over the last 20 years have been, uh, I was in radio for five years. Uh, I ended up doing paranormal investigation uh, I was a bouncer for 18 years, uh, private investigator. Um, and I became a police officer, obviously owned my own martial arts school, uh, and internet entrepreneur. I've had, I think I, I think I did it the other day. It was like 15 different companies that I've started and some have been successful and some haven't. And yeah, so I'm all over the place. Holy smokes. 15 different companies. Yeah. 
That's crazy. Awesome. You just like shoot from the, you get an idea and you just go with it. Yeah. And it's funny because it's changed. So my latest idea, which is called chaos, uh, has been something that's been rolling around in my head for the last 10 years. And then uh, I'm going to go off on a tangent for a sec. So when COVID hit, I, I, I run a martial arts studio and I've been doing that for the last 17 years. It's a passion of mine. Love it. Uh, it's amazing. But obviously we had to shut down just like everyone else. So I had all this time to be creative. And in the last five months, it's been the most creative I've ever been in my life. And so I said, you know what? I'm going to go with my, my, my idea that's been in my head. And I didn't want COVID to knock me down. And so I, basically my business was a giant fuck you to COVID. And uh, so I designed uh, some stuff and I started rolling with it. So it's, it's gone live and uh, I'm really excited. Well, what, so what is, like, what is chaos then? Okay, so uh, chaos is a company. It's called Chaos Tactical. And uh, the first thing I designed were silicon rings. And the silicon rings are basically for Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioners or practitioners that work in environments where they can't have metal rings because they may snag. Um, there's something called degloving. I don't know if you know what degloving is. So degloving is when you have a metal ring uh, on your finger and it snags on something and it pulls. So it'll pull all the skin and all the muscle off. Uh, so if you work in, say, um, you're like, like uh, someone who cuts down trees or your electrician or you end up snagging it on something, you can deglove your finger. And Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is the same thing. It's a grappling art. So if someone grabs onto a ring, it can be snagged. So silicone rings obviously are made out of silicone rubber. They won't snag. They can, they can move. They're pliable. So uh, I designed a ring that would actually uh, match the belt color to the practitioner because it wasn't out on the market. I'm like, oh, I've got to do this. And so the second part of this chaos thing was um, I've been into watches for the last 20 years. I love watches. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to design my own watch. So for the last four and a half months, I've been designing a watch and I got the prototype for it and I've been testing it out for the last six weeks and it's been awesome. So it's going to go to market in... October. And it's geared for people who like, uh, who are in law enforcement, military, who, who have uh, working jobs, which are like, you know, tough environments, uh, and just kind of like the tactical look. So that's what I've been doing. That's awesome. Are they going to be like digital or, or uh, how, They're how analog far? and digital? They're both. That's awesome. I love watches. Like I have, so I love like the brand Nixon. They do a lot of with action sports stuff and that sort of thing. And so that's yeah. why I've been drawn to them just for that. And it, the watch is cool. It has like the silicone band on it, which yeah. I love. Like it's super comfortable for me to wear at work. I don't like the metal bands or anything like right. that because it's super uncomfortable for me. Always been, but I love watches. So cool. That, that's awesome. I'm going to have to check these out when they come out. Yeah. I can't wait to put the pictures up on market. Like I was just saying this earlier, I was on another podcast and we were talking about business and the problem. So since I've run all these different companies, when I started, I just wanted to go to market right away with anything I had, right? I didn't have time to, I just like, oh, who cares about just putting prototypes out? Let's, let's just go to market. And I've had all these failures. And so I learned from these failures. I'm like, okay, let's slow it down. Let's make sure it's good. Let's put it to market because the customer needs to be like, oh, this is a great product. And so uh, I've slowed it down, but uh, it's still fun. Love it. I love the creative aspect of it. That's awesome, man. What, like, so you just... COVID hit and you, you weren't like, woe is me. I know owning a gym can be tough. Like it's gotta be tough. My wife works in the fitness industry here. She kind of built a program in her gym. That's kind of like she owns her own company. Like, but she, she definitely treats it that way. But 
just even working for the gyms and they shut down that's in america you know that's in texas even mm-hmm. it makes things really really tough you really yeah. have to like come up with some creative ways to sell things or to really just to keep your clientele happy so that when everything gets back to normal or somewhat normal, they come back. Right. So yeah, what, whole de- what prompted you to just like jump into starting a brand new business in this time? Uh, well, like I said, I had time on my hands. I wasn't running the school. I wasn't there, you know, several days a week. And so I had time, time to just venture out creativity, uh, like to, look at my creative, my creative, like mindset and, and just I had time. That's what it was. And obviously I'm, I'm working patrol I'm working policing and stuff like that. But my, my waking hours, uh, I was doing that. And someone said to me recently, they said, I don't know how you do it with all, you know, with all the work. Uh, like, how do you do it? How do you have time? And the secret is it's not work, it's play. And when you look at it like that, you love doing it. So um, it's not wasted hours. It's not just like me going, oh, work, work. It's so, it, it's play to me. It's super fun for you to just get off and like, that's your hobby, like going and researching oh, this stuff and searching it out. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and like I do, I do two podcasts as well. And, and for me, my podcasts are, they're not about making money. They're not about, uh, I don't care how many listeners there are. It's actually for me, it's a decompress. So I do law enforcement uh, during my normal job. And then once a week, I'll get together with my buddies and we'll do the podcast. And that's just for me to decompress and have a good time. And um, like one of my, the one podcast that I do, it's totally irreverent. It's totally fun. It's about 80s culture, about 80s movies, action stuff. Um, we talk about Viking things, ghosts, uh, monsters, mayhem, martial arts. And that's all it is, right? It's just, it's me having fun with some buddies. And and uh, that's the fun part too. So this is, this is wild. Like this is going down all sorts of things in my mind that I didn't even expect on this thing with the paranormal stuff. Obviously the Viking stuff is cool. I actually grew my hair out. I did the undercut just to braid it and grew my beard long so that I could do a braid down the back and a braid in the front so that it could be like a Viking style thing at one point. Like I just kept growing yeah. it like, as long as I could to try to get there. I thought it was super awesome. My wife doesn't really care for that look. So that had to go eventually. But, um, but I, I, I just dig, like, I dig anything warrior tough. Um, I don't want to say violence, but yeah, I kind of dig violence, like testing yourself in that realm or, or putting yourself in that position where you're like an honorable thing like that. That stuff always kind of attracts like, has attracted me. Yeah. And so there's a quote that uh, I recently actually put up on my f- Facebook and it's, um, it's amazing because this kind of speaks to where I personally am. Uh, but it's a, it, the quote goes like this, uh, when the ships were made of wood, men were made of steel. And it makes sense, right? Like you never knew what was going to happen when you got on that Viking ship. You, you had to be tough and, uh, I, I love it. I just love the whole warrior culture thing. And a lot of people play into, it's like, Oh, you have a warrior mindset and you must be an alpha male and you don't like this. And, and you really want to, you know, it's about violence and it's, it has nothing to do with that. And, and it's, it's just, it's a personal thing for me. I, I just, I love it. And I love the whole culture around it. 
And it's not about espousing violence. It's just espousing survivability and adaptability. There's something attractive about the toughness, I think. Mm-hmm. Like being a man, like especially males, you know, I don't like the same movies my wife likes. She doesn't like to watch the same movies. She's like, no, you can watch that later. I don't like those style things, but I enjoy it. Like it, it's something that I, I, there's something about toughness that is, is just attractive to men, I guess, you know, mm-hmm. like, um, at least the majority of them I do anyway. I like, I like things that are tough. Like I like to be tough. I picture myself as being tough, even though I know, <laughs> you know, that, Nobody, you know, a lot of people like to think that they have high pain thresholds. I don't think that at all. I just, I just like to play that role. Like I think it's something attracts me to it, you know, tough things, tough work, hard work, something that's difficult to do is awesome. Right. But in 2020, we vilified toughness or that, the, that genre. Uh, um, I shouldn't like we as in like the other side, you know, and it's it's just odd. You're like, do what you want to do. Like, I'm not attacking people who don't like the the tactical or warrior culture. It's like, you know what? If it makes you happy, I've always said this. If it makes you happy, do it. That's it. But the moment you start crossing it onto my front yard and start saying things, you know, you shouldn't do this and you shouldn't do that. It's like, mm. and I told you earlier, I'm a freedom guy. So uh, <laughs> I, you know, I will defend your right. And uh, but the moment you start encroaching on mine, we'll have a problem. Yeah. How super important is it to, and this is, you make a good point because if you're going to be for freedom, you have to be for freedom for all the sides of people. Like you can't just be for freedom of the things that you enjoy. Like you enjoy Viking stuff. That's cool. Somebody else enjoys like planting roses and smelling them. That's cool. Go for it. Like you can't be like, Hey, that's being a sissy. If you're a man planting those roses, no, like I'm for freedom. That that's what you enjoy. That's the similar mindset to you know my stuff is is I I like people to have the I have friends that are artists that are amazing. They're mm-hmm. unreal. You know I don't have that sort of thing to paint and draw and to do that. I don't have that mindset. But I would definitely fight if anybody who came and attacked those people. You know even though we have different belief systems all the way around. I'm still his friend. I'm going to come and defend him at any sort of like, even if it's verbally, if somebody's picking on him or makes fun of him, whatever Mm -hmm. Um, of any of my friends like that, because it's, it is all about freedom. Like we need every, we need all sorts of different type of people to contradict your ideas to make us all better. Yeah. I mean, that's how we grow. And, but the old samurai saying that it's better to be a warrior in the garden than a gardener during war. uh, I still believe. Right. So uh, you, you just never know what's going to happen. Yeah. So anyway, you're a bit like I could go off on all this stuff and I definitely want to get to your paranormal thing. Cause that's like, it's, you've done so many crazy, like fascinating things. Like what, what do you just see an interest in something like the paranormal, like, or whatever job private investigator, and you just go for it or the jobs just happen to like come about. I always try to do jobs that, that sparked my interest. I think that's kind of how it worked. So private investigation, I grew up on Magnum PI. I'm like, that looks like a cool job. Um, for the record, Aaron, it's a shit job. <laughs> right? So uh, I did because I didn't know, right? And I, you don't know until you try. So I did it for a little while. I went to school for it. Um, and the job is completely different than what you think, right? That's like TV and reality. Uh, so, but that's why I did it. I saw Magnum PI and Tom Selleck. I'm like, I want to be that guy. So 
after I did that, um, I've always had an interest in the paranormal. Uh, I have an absolute huge love for mythology and vampires uh, and UFOs. I love conspiracy stuff. And uh, it's just always sparked my interest. So I was like, as a hobby, I'm going to start investigating things. So when I was in radio, uh, I had a radio program and we would do paranormal investigation. So we would, we do house, uh, like ghost hunting. We go to houses. Um, we'd uh, follow up on leads in cemeteries where they saw apparitions. Uh, we would, I had one episode where this was years ago. This is 1995. We had, did an interview with a vampire. This guy claimed to be a vampire and we had a three hour interview with him. And uh, his story was amazing. We were like throwing all these questions and he had an answer for everything. It was so fun. And then we had people call in and they would ask him questions and it was great. So vampires, like the whole thing, that's, how did you do that over radio? That seems like a difficult thing to do. Not really. I mean, it's just, it's like, it's the pre, it's like, think about it, the pre-podcast, right? All it is, is you, you just have them sitting in the studio and then people call in and you just, you, you talk, right? So our radio program that we're doing was from, from midnight to uh, 5 a.m. So he could obviously be out because the sun wasn't up and it was great. So... And how, you did that, did you do that for five years? You said you did radio for five years. Was it just the paranormal part or was it something else? Uh, so I had three different radio programs that I did while, while in radio. So one of them was called Lace in Darkness, which was the paranormal one. Then I had a martial art uh, related one called Key Issues. And it was a play on words on uh, the Japanese word of key, which is K-I, which means energy. So I would interview martial artists uh, so did that. And then I had um, one radio program, which was called The Matrix, which was basically uh, electronica and techno music. And I did that with my buddy Stacy. So that was fun. <laughs> so, that's so cool. How long have you been in a, like, so you've been in the martial arts for a while then? Yeah, 30 years. Uh, uh, it was uh, 1984. And the guy who got me into martial arts was, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of him. His name is Chuck Norris. So... <laughs> This is a true story. So I was nine years old and I was in Vegas with my parents and uh, we were at the lobby of a casino and I saw Chuck Norris in the casino. And obviously being a kid who watched action films is like, I knew who it was. So I tugged on my dad's arm and said, Tad, that's Chuck Norris. Got to go talk to him. So we walked over there and I'm looking at Chuck Norris and he looks down at me and he goes, what's your name, kid? And I'm like, my name's Ari, sir. And he goes, do you do the martial arts? And I said, no, sir. And he goes, well, when you start, never stop. And then the next year, I got into the martial arts when I was 10, and 36 years later, here I am, uh, still doing it. So that's my, my story of how I started the martial arts. So you, you know what's funny about that? He lives like 30 minutes away from us. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. He lives right down the road. He's got like a ranch and stuff uh, awesome. here in Texas. Like, I mean, obviously, he's got probably plenty of places to live, but I know... Uh, yeah. people see him around town and stuff and his family's around here and cool. whatnot so that that's funny that you mentioned Chuck Norris but man I've heard like he was legit and just like a, actually a really cool dude mm -hmm. so yeah there's a lot of things about people that don't know about Chuck Norris I mean I don't know him personally I'm not friends with him or anything like that but uh, I mean he he started his own martial art you know he's got a karate background he's a he's a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu which most people don't know I did so not know that I did not know that. Yeah. So he used to do his TV show, Texas uh, Ranger. Um, he would have his instructors on the Machado brothers. And those are the guys he learned from. So I think he's like a third degree black belt, uh, like super legit. Like he's got, he's amazing. 
That's insane. I didn't know. Yeah, there is a lot of things that you don't know and a lot of things that you don't like, like you, for instance, like if you if you you have a jujitsu school, you've been in martial arts for 30 years, you I mean, all these different things. And yet you have such a wide variety You have a radio a podcast just on 80s culture, mm-hmm. which is not what you, you wouldn't think that, you know, you, a guy that's into Viking stuff, police officer, jujitsu would be 80s culture, techno music and finding ghosts. <laughs> Right. Well, we all have interests, right? I mean, it's just like, uh, why be, why be stereotyped and pigeonholed into certain things? I, like, I'm just trying to pursue things that I love because I, we only get one kick at this, in my opinion. Uh, we've got one life to live and, uh, I'm trying to, I'm trying to maximize it, man. So the business that like, what businesses do you have currently right now that are going? Uh, I have my martial art business. Uh, Fierce Studio, which is in Victoria, British Columbia, doing that for the last 17 and a half years. Uh, I have my Chaos, which I just started, uh, which has been awesome. Uh, I have Invictus Leo Jiu-Jitsu Collective, which I started last year with my buddy Jason, which you know. Um, And uh, so we did that, which was basically getting officers trained in Jiu-Jitsu, and uh, it turned into kind of this movement, and it's blown up. Um, I believe probably in the next year, it's going to get even bigger. It's the momentum has been amazing. So obviously an advocate for use of force and, and retraining of police officers. So I have, I have that going on. Uh, so those are my main ones, uh, I would say right now. So uh, that's interesting. And that, and the, it's something, the retraining of police officers is something that's a super hot topic. And I think your school, in fact, when all the stuff was going down here, um, that's the first thing I thought of was that school. And after talking you know, having him on the podcast was they need more train. They don't need to take away things like, you know, chokeholds. They need more training and how to use them properly. I would think it's just like, you don't ever want to see an overweight cop. That should be a requirement. Like they shouldn't be worrying about fat shaming people. They like, you should be in shape if that's your responsibility as a cop. You know what I mean? At least that's the way I, I look at it. I don't know what your thoughts are being a cop and involved in martial arts and having to actually apply it and work with it. Yeah, I mean, it's a sensitive subject, but uh, what typically happens is police officers get complacent or they come out of patrol and maybe they're in detective work and they're not on the street anymore. So their need for use of force and exercise starts to wane, right? They're using their minds and they're great cops, but they don't need that physicality anymore. However, having said that, what people don't realize is doing jujitsu and being active helps with the whole mental aspect anyway. You may never be in a fight in your life, but being in shape, being healthy, uh, having a stress relief, those are all massive benefits. Like, uh, that's why I think people should do martial arts and, and they should work out. I mean, I'm not, I'm not a specimen. I'm not, I'm, not a, I'm not a superhero, but it keeps my mind sharp and it keeps me just in shape for when it happens. So I always tell people that cops have three things. Uh, the first thing that most cops have is heart. So if they're, say they're in a physical confrontation, they have heart. So that means they're going to keep going no matter what the odds are. The second thing that most cops, most cops I say, most cops have is that they're in shape because police actually revolves around a workout culture. Um, I would say many, many people in my department, they work out, they go to the gym, they lift weights, they do CrossFit, fantastic. So you've got heart, you're now in shape. But the last thing most people are lacking is technique. So 
if you go around and think that you can hammer everything and, and strengthen everything and use user strength and everything, you're sorely mistaken because it's only going to take one person with a little bit of knowledge and you're like, oh my God, I can't handle this person. Now I have to shoot them when I could actually use technique to control them. That's where we start getting uh, into problems and you end up on YouTube videos. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's the scary part. And that you're so right. Like I have, I've done it what three times. I think I've, I've gone to a jujitsu place three times before. And, um, it, I've told the story a bunch of times. Like I almost quit CrossFit to go there. I just made some friends at CrossFit. They both are attractive to me for the same reasons. And that is mm -hmm. the culture and the community and the struggle and, you know, that right. sort of thing in the type of workouts. But, um, the level, like, the, you're exactly right like little a little dude I, I was rolling with a little guy the one of the first times and I'm not a big guy right but I was definitely way stronger than him I like was I could pick him up like while he was in a hole and he had a mouth guard in and I'm rolling with him and I'm like dude I'm just kind of tossing this guy around right and he he pauses for a second and he takes his mouthpiece out and he's like you need to tap and I was like what do you mean I need to tap nothing's going on and he just puts his mouthpiece back in and does like one little fidget and I was like, okay, I get it. Now I need to tap. Gotcha. Like, so the technique is, I thought I was actually dominating him because he was in guard on the ground and I'm on top and I'm like, this is no big deal. And then he just, I don't even know exactly what he did. I was like, wow, that's incredible. Like what just happened is kind of amazing. So the technique part, but I think that goes to anything in life, like whatever you're doing. Yeah. If you just, you know, like, you can't just go in and jump to the top of anything. There's levels to it. You have to learn the fundamentals properly. Otherwise, you're going to spend time going backwards to try to get better. Exactly. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint, right? And uh, that's just like for CrossFit or anything, like you said. So, but people, today, people are impatient. They, they want it now. They don't want to spend the time. So there's these gaps that end up showing in whatever they're doing. If it's business, if it's crossfit if it's bgj uh so the rush is the problem well what have people done in like with your gym shutdown what do people do to practice so i mean we just opened up and there's obviously protocols in place and there's there have been people that have been practicing the practicing at their houses with uh, their small group of friends and things like that so um martial arts got pushed underground and just because you didn't see it didn't mean that it wasn't happening, right? <laughs> um, so you have to remember that because it was very similar to when the Americans, when, when America won against Japan, they actually outlawed martial arts in 1945 in Japan. They uh, prohibited the Japanese from practicing. And the reason they did that is because they didn't want the natives to know how to fight. And so that happened for uh, quite a few years. It actually was not allowed. However, all the martial arts went underground. You think the Japanese stopped practicing? Didn't happen, right? And so there's, there's um, examples of this through history. And so it was the same thing now in COVID. It's like, oh, all the gyms are shut down. So all these martial arts aren't practicing. Mm -mm, it was happening. <laughs> so <laughs> It's kind of tough to stop people. Like you're in Canada. I don't know. Like, I don't know the laws in Canada, the rules. Like I've learned real quick to not, <clears throat> to not believe what's put out there in the TV or the media or the news about places, because 
it's oftentimes a lot different when you actually go there and you right. actually live in it and, and visit it and you get to see the different areas. So I don't know what it's like there, but, um, but I know here, if you try it, like no matter where it is, if it's in a more liberal state or if it's in a more conservative state, if you try to take people's freedom away of the things that they enjoy, they're going to figure out a way, some way to do it. It's just like speakeasies and alcohol. Like people wanted to drink, they made it happen. People want to do drugs. They make it happen. Like it's, it's, they're going to do it like, and practice those things. And almost if you tell them, no, they're going to go even more overboard and, and start like, they're going to start obsessing about it in all sorts of different areas. You're, yeah, you're totally right. And there, there's some people that, that are basically like, you know, listen to the government and I'm not anti-government. Let's, let's just say that right now. I'm not anti-government, but it's like the government knows best and let's follow their protocols. And when they say it's safe to do things, we will now do things. And uh, as you've already pointed out, the misinformation, the media, uh, we've been told, and I don't trust either side right? So I need to do my research. I always do my research. And it absolutely kills me. I watch Facebook and someone puts a picture of someone on Facebook and they're like, look at this person. This is, this is what's going on. And I'd like, have you fact checked that? Because I can tell you right now that that's not true. And, and then they're like, oh, well, I saw it on someone else's feed. So I just reshared it. And all they're doing is it's just a propagation of misinformation. And Facebook is not a news source, newsflash for you. So if that's where you're getting your shit from, you should probably check yourself. Having said that, looking at news outlets, it's the same thing. Like it takes some time. So the whole COVID thing is crazy. And there's some things that I personally believe. There's some things that I have researched. There's some things that I actually know. And uh, that's how I make my worldview. So I'm very wary if I hear things like all the hospitals are full, everyone's dying. It's the end of the world. Okay. That's one thing. I'm also wary when people go, it's not going on. Doctors say it's fake. The hospitals aren't full. No one gets COVID and, and diarrhea kills more people than COVID and whatever. I'm like, okay, you're the, I, you're that part. I got it. Right. So just, just use your fucking brain. That's all you need to do. That's like the perfect, the, <laughs> more people die from diarrhea than COVID. <laughs> that's the perfect, that is, that's a perfect impersonation. It's so silly because it's so true. Is it yeah. that it's exactly the way they do it. If you don't wear a mask or if you question anything about it, you're either one side or the other. You can't be like, wait a second. I think that if you're picking sides when it's a virus, you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. And so here's, 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 the, here's the dumb thing. Here's a dumb thing, Aaron. So then there's the people who are like me that are like in the middle and it's like, well, I know, I know what I'm doing. Right. And so I'm going to, I'm going to shit on myself here. So <laughs> I, you know, people are like, well, he's getting information. He does his own thing, but well, fuck, he doesn't know. And like, yeah, you're right. Like, I don't know everything either, but I think I'm right. But who knows, right? <laughs> That's, it's so true. Like, it's so wacky. You know, it's, yeah. it's a, it's a crazy thing. Uh, I have a different advantage. I always say like, it's, it's a, not everybody grows up with a nurse or medical people. I had two of them. My grandpa was a nurse and my, my, my mom was a nurse and they went around everywhere. And I got to, I grew up in it from the time I was born till, you know, my mom is, you know, my grandpa's mm -hmm. passed on, but my mom still has her license. She's up in Fort Worth. And right. um, so I have a different perspective. Like she has a realistic yeah. perspective is like, is the virus real? Absolutely. A virus is real. 
How do viruses mm -hmm. work? This is how they work. Like there's certain fundamentals of the way a virus works all the way around. And to think that a man can just come out there and put a policy out and stop the virus is insane. It's a false sense of hope to people. But if you say that, if you say, hey, this policy is not going to save you from the virus. You got to save you from the virus. You got to be like, you've got to do the things or, you know, do your research, look yeah. into it, see what's best for you. Maybe boost your immune system, get healthy while you're in quarantine. I don't know if there's some ideas out there. They're just going to be like, yeah. no, you're killing people. No. I know. What did I do? And what's even Right. What's even scarier is, so now that social media, it's 2020, we, we open Instagram and we see these one minute videos. And so the latest one that I saw, which is amazing, and I'm not saying that's good or bad, but this is what I saw. It has the list of, I'm going to say 15 or 20 killers in the world. And then it starts in January this year and it goes to July. And so you've got things like the flu, you've got heart disease, you know what I mean? It's got this, this graph. And it says how many people have died. And so it's like January and then February. And then you don't see COVID. And all of a sudden COVID goes, whoop, it's right at the bottom. And then the numbers are starting to move up. And then it goes, whoop, whoop, whoop. And it starts to move up as we, as we move in. So, you know, now it's like number three in the world killer. It's like 650,000 uh, fatalities. And it's at the top. But watching that graph in one minute little increment of watching it going, oh, we're fine. And all of a sudden like, holy shit. And it's there. And you watch it and you're going, it's the end of the world, you know, and it's, it, it gets us emotionally, it's visceral, right? And then it's like, well, I saw this graph, you know, Aaron, have you seen this graph? Have you seen it? This is true right here. Look on your Instagram. And then, and then you start sharing it and people are like, it's, it's crazy. So people just need to pause, reflect and do the research. That's all I'm saying. I think that's one, you bring up a good point. And it's one thing that I think jujitsu or some sort of tough activity, like when I say tough, something you struggle to get through. I don't even care what it is. It, it could be any sort of discipline that works your mind, works your body physically, whatever it is, but something that's difficult that you have to try at, put a lot of effort in and practice to, um, because it's, it's been, it's like a, a weird reaction to this thing emotionally, like what you just said. Jiu-jitsu, if you freak out emotionally, you're going to lose. Like, you can't yeah. win. Being a cop, you can't freak out emotionally. Like, you need, to be, you need to be the better one and the calm one so that you can assess the situation correctly. Um, anybody in their job, anything that I do, like in my minuscule daily life, Anytime that I've been on the emotional side of things, it's never worked out correctly. But anytime that I've stepped back and I look at it and go, okay, take what I want and emotions out of it and let's look at the situation. Now let's deal with what I want the outcome to be. It, it always works out better. So I agree with that because I'm a logic guy. You know, I have my, like I'm a science guy and that. And um, however, I have learned, I got this from my wife and I would give her a lot of credit, that we also vilify the emotional response from people saying, well, if they have an emotional response, it's not logical, so it's incorrect. And that is actually incorrect. There are some emotional responses which are really good for situations. We can generate and we can, we can focus anger or whatever your, your, your emotion is for a greater good. And so uh, I have to be careful because especially, you know, um, 
the the male um, the logical side and they say the female emotional side right and this is what typically happens and what i've really been doing over the last 10 years is actually trying to combine them and making sure that i am understanding the other side because if you do you're able to articulate better rather than just yelling at someone about your your cause so actually listening is a skill set that i think that people should do so you have to balance it i think and that's what I'm trying to do. And that's been a struggle because I am a guy and we think, we think differently, but I think that's, it's, it's important. I think that's another important thing is like, there's always an answer in the middle usually. Yeah. Like it's usually always in the middle. It's never like extreme one side or the other. There's usually like a place where both come together and that's, that's kind of correct. And when I, when I say emotional stuff, I, I'm definitely like a kind hearted guy. I'm not a violent human being. I'm like the softest dude in the world. Um, and, and so I get the emotional part making decisions wise. And as a guy, that's what you do that. I mean, most guys do that. They, they, let's make a logical decision. Let's look at something. Um, this situation has blown up the emotional side, like people's and I, I can narrow it down. This is just my opinion from what I see from growing up being homeschooled and socialization of kids and like the whole thing. And just from my common sense education is that we're social creatures. We like to be around people, no matter how introverted you are, you like to be around, talk to your friends, hang out with them. And, and that physical, like, like being around people physically, and when you sit around and you have nothing but Twitter and that becomes your reality and Instagram and Facebook, like you said, with these news sources, and then your emotional side starts to kick in, you have nobody to keep you in check. You have nobody to bounce things off of and to like, to basically bring you back to that middle. Like you said, it's struggle for you. It's a struggle for me. It's a struggle for everybody. We lean one side, no matter we've got bias. So like, then it blows up into just 100% an emotional rage of this Facebook, this graph, this graph, this is it. And then it's like, if you don't believe this graph, you're killing people, Ari. How can you do that? Yeah. (laughs) And you know, there's the, I saw this recently, but there's some guy sitting next to a waterfall uh, on a beach or uh, like somewhere in the wild without a full phone. Uh, and he's not connected to the internet and he doesn't realize how angry and scared he should be because he's not connected. Right. And uh, there's people out there that are like that. It's like, I'm not connected. So it's actually not affecting me. We're only affected by what we know. So it's so, it's so true. Like we are putting like stuff in the house. We're doing a bunch of home stuff and I put my phone up and I don't have it on the weekends. Basically it just stays up there. And so I don't even click scroll yeah. nothing. I'm the happiest that like, I'm so happy because there's no negative information going in our brain. It's just, I'm in the moment with my family and that's it. Yeah. It's super, I mean, it's super nice to be aware. You got You got to be aware of what's going on, but at the same time to be able to decipher and recharge and the things that you take in are so important, like surrounding yourself with good people. And that's one thing I love the jujitsu culture with. And like, you're a business owner. You can't, you can't surround yourself with nothing but a bunch of people who aren't ambitious. Otherwise you'll like, it won't benefit you one way or the, like your businesses. Um, I mean, that, like mm-hmm. I just want to be around somebody who's successful so that I can be successful. Like I can pick up their habits and I can learn from them. That's one thing I love about the podcast, talking to people like you. It's like, I'm talking to a guy that started a business in a pandemic 
uh, you just started a tape business, right? Like the athletic tape stuff. Oh yeah. Yeah. I forgot about that, that one. going on. Um, and we'll get to that for sure. Definitely got to promote it, but like you've started all this stuff. I can learn, I, I can learn so much stuff from people like you, like being around and talking to you. And that's the sort of information I want to bring in my head. People have a choice of who it is they hang around. Yeah, I agree. And, but it takes like something like signing up for your jujitsu, you know, it takes that step, that scary step of like, none of my friends go and do this. I have to, well, you know what? I'm going to sign up. I'm going to go to class in a foreign place where you don't know anybody. Yep. Yeah. That's the scariest part of jujitsu. I, the, this, the scariest part of anything is actually walking through the door, you know, being on the mat. Once you through the door, you, that's the hardest part. And then now you're on the mat and it's like, okay, I've already broken that barrier, but I've literally, this is true stories. I've had people say, I've walked by your studio, your Academy for five years, five years. I've looked at it, thought about having done it. And then whatever it was, they eventually did it. And now they're students. And, uh, and I'm not talking about like, I'm not saying five weeks, five months, five years. So it shows you the, the process that people go through. Um, some people have no problems taking chances and they, they dive in and they're ready for it. Other people are cautious or scared. So, yeah, I was going to say, that's like you, obviously you don't have any problem taking chances. You're like business, let's do it. Business, let's, let's do, do it. it. Learn from your mistakes. Oh, but yeah. It's so, but it is, it's a scary thing. Like, and that's, I love it so much. I, that's why I love competition of any sort is people that are willing to, no matter what they do, if they're willing to put something out there in front of others and risk being embarrassed or failing, then that, that dessert, like you've already won. Like that person, I have respect for that person. They've earned respect because no, but like very few people seem to have that ability to take that step. Like walking through the door of your jujitsu gym, you think about the actual percentage of people in the population that do jujitsu. It's not yep. a lot. And it's not a lot. It, it, it takes a lot to walk through that door. Anything that you're trying to do, you know, there's somebody, there's a, we used an artist earlier, so I'll just do that. There's a famous artist painting in a gallery and an art, you know, a wannabe artist is coming, you know, somebody aspiring is walking by and sees him. It's probably going to walk by that door, not go in and say, hi, how are you? I'm into art. Right. Yeah, I agree. That's, that's a super scary thing. But then a place like yours it get, it raises the confidence level up of people. When you do that, like it just takes that one step. When you hear that, you're like, oh man, this person's life just changed. Yeah, and that's the best part of it, right? Like watching that, that change and uh, seeing how it's helped them, that's the payoff for what we do. I mean, you ask any instructor, it's like, wow, positive, they've lost weight, they're in a good mood, they're not depressed, uh, they don't have PTSD or they have PTSD, but it's helped managing that, whatever it is, so... So you have a wife, you have all these businesses going on, you're a cop. How do you, like, so how do you manage running the jujitsu studio, like the, the studio and being a cop? Like, do you have like a bunch of people that you hire to handle that for you that you trust and then you check in on it? Or how does that, like, how do you manage running all of these? I know they're fun and it's awesome, but you also have to manage all these things and be a cop and a husband at the same time. Yeah. So my wife and I run the studio from like an administrative point of view. Um, I have amazing teachers, uh, students of mine that are teaching uh, black belts and purple belts that are teaching uh, brown belts. And so 
I, I couldn't do it without them. So we've passed on. So giving them the opportunity to be instructors and teach, it's been happening for years. So there, there's a good synergy that goes on with that. Um, I work shift work, so I'll work two days and then two nights. So it's impossible for me to be like, I'm going to teach on Wednesdays at six because it changes all the time for me. So I get in there at different times. So that consistency with my students, I'm forever grateful for them. So that's how I do it. Uh, I'm not retired. Uh, I don't have, uh, it's, I'm not working from like six to four so I can go at night and do it at like, so that's not the case for me, but that's how I do it. And I just, I balance it. Um, but, you know, there's, I've been doing it for a long time and you can't be afraid of change. In my opinion, you can't be afraid of uh, walking away from things uh, when the time is right. You'll see this in, in MMA or fighters, they stay too long or boxers, they stay too long. And then it's like, oh, why are they still in the game? You know, they, they should have gone out up here and now they're punch drunk and they're going in and you just don't want to see it. Like Chuck Liddell, prime example, love him, had the most amazing fights, but he was going in there with concussions and he was getting knocked out. And it's just like, please just retire. You did great things. So uh, a lot of people can't let go and I'm okay with letting things go when the time is right. And it's like, okay, it's, it's run its course or it needs to go in a new direction. So. And when do like, so with business and stuff, like if you love something, like it's your passion, that's where the emotion is going to come in for you. I imagine like when you're, yeah. when you're like, you're emotionally tied to martial arts, you've been doing it for 30 years. That's something that, or 30 plus years, right? Um, that's something that emotionally it's part of who you are almost like you care about it. You have your studio. How do you realize just like that fighter who cares about stepping in the ring, like Chuck Liddell, I agree with you. I also try to get in his mindset of like, if I love something so much, like if it was such a passion, like hearing the crowd roar and that just got my juices flowing, whatever it is, how do you know when to call one of those on a smaller level, the businesses that you start, like you obviously have a passion for them and you start them. How do you know when to go? This is the time that I need to let this one go. I think, well, there's a couple things. I mean, you have to look at it from a financial perspective. You have to look at energy, you know, how much energy you want to put into it. Um, what's it doing to you on an emotional level on a daily basis? So I've had businesses that have not done well, uh, that I've let go. Uh, I've learned a lot from them. So I don't have any regrets, but it's like, well, why am I, I, this, it just didn't work. You know, I had all these pieces together, but they didn't gel and they started kind of crumbling. So I, I took them and I put them in a box and I said, okay, I'm going to stop and restart and do something else. So I'm just building on that. And to go back on the kind of the Chuck Liddell, loving the roar of the crowd and all that things, you have to be careful on what what your purpose is, right? So I always think, what's your purpose? Why are you there? Are you living for the, the roar of the crowd? Because the crowd will not always be there. You need to be your biggest fan. You can't rely on other people to be your biggest fan. Because if you do, you'll never live up to their expectation. You will fail. You will get knocked out. Um, you'll start to be called a has-been or whatever. So you have to be your biggest fan and you have to listen to yourself. And so that's the thing that I always try to gauge rather than out there. I have to be, it has to be right here. So. And I'm assuming with business that would relate to something as far as, you know, you got, you want it to see, see it succeed 
and people looking outward, the crowd, so to speak, is going to be going like waiting to see if you fail. Yeah. And I've had that lots. I've had um, detractors and enemies of mine that are being like, they want to see, they want to see you fail, right? They want to see you go under and stuff. And if I close my school tomorrow, I know that I would never stop jujitsu. I know I'll always practice. I know I'll always teach in some, some way. So if my school closes because of COVID or because of a personal thing, or it's like, I've, I'm done and I'm passing it on to someone else. It's not a failure to me. It's, it's like, I know that I will continue in a different way. So you just have to keep listening to that little voice in your head uh, rather than to always listen to the crowd. Obviously you need to listen to people who are close to you because they will be able to give you a perspective that you may not see. You know, your wife be like, Aaron, you're really, you, you know, you should look at this. And it, we all go through, you're laughing because you know, it's true. Cause I, it happens to me all the time, dude. So, um, well, that's yeah. who, you know, I met like, Finding the per like that's why one reason I mentioned the you know your you your wife and everything is because it takes a supportive partner to run that many businesses and to be a and you know to do other things it takes a supportive partner uh, it really does and my wife is that same way for me but she I also know which is what one of the things I love is that I'm a little bit I'm not a little bit I would take all the chances in the world like I would just throw everything out there you know, to the point where I probably would be reckless with money because I think this one's going to do it. And I'm not a gambler, but on things that I'm in control of or sort of in control of, I'll roll the dice. I may not make it, but I'm not scared to fail. Like that, that doesn't exist in my head for some reason. And yeah, I, I go to her and go, okay, what do you think about this idea? And then she'll go, that's not a good idea. <laughs> and then yeah. she'll explain why because she can come at it from an outside she's not in my head she's outside totally. listening to what i'm saying going uh yeah that's not going to work but this may work maybe you go and rethink it and come back with a different thing like, okay okay let me go see if i can work that out yeah i had this discussion with jason uh who's my partner in invictus and we, we were talking about uh, some new product uh some new apparel that we're going to come out with and I said to him, it's like, hey, do you want to maybe have like a small subcommittee to look at our design or whatever like that? And we had decided actually no. So there is a time and place to do that. But also, if you start asking, say, 10 people what their opinions are, you're going to get 10 different opinions on it. And so now you're like, well, I'm struggling to what design do I go for and what's good and what's bad. Sometimes you need to buckle down and go, okay, I'm sticking with this. This is how we're going to do it. And I know what's best. So there is a balance there. Like, and sometimes you're wrong. Like you said, you roll the dice and I've rolled the dice and I just, man, I got ones. I got ones and it's just, it's not working. So. That's all. It, I, you know what? It, I agree with you when you put it that way and like explaining it, um, explaining it like that's perfect. You know, I have one person that I go to for that. Um, mm -hmm. I definitely, I'm, I'm, I don't like, sometimes when I think I know something, I'm pretty sure in my head, that's what I like. And so yeah. I don't really need their opinion. So yeah, I'm yeah. different in that sense where I have like a few people that I trust, very few. It's a very tiny amount of people where I would even go with that question. But if I think that that person is not going to give me like the perspective on it, as far as like, if I don't think they're going to come from an honest perspective of weighing the pros and cons, I won't even ask them that question. Right. Like it won't even come out of my mouth. If, if I know they're going to be to the one side where they're going to be like, 
that's a dumb idea. Who would start a, a tape company? You know, why would anybody do that? You got to start a, an accounting firm. You got to be a lawyer. You know, I'm not going to go ask that person. Like they could be my best right. friend. I can't trust that, you know, cause you're not, yeah. you don't, you're not seeing that the world has all different kinds of people. You know, the world has people that need tape. Yep. Right. Totally. So what is the tape exactly? Cause I saw the thing, the fuzz, it said, it says said fuzz on it. And this is what actually I really wanted to have, like started in my mind. I wanted to have you on the podcast because you started this business in the middle of like, I think, you know, you're, you were talking about your jujitsu thing being closed on Instagram and then all of a sudden fuzz tape pops up. You're starting a, another business in there. So explain a little bit, like how did that come about and, and what is it? So in jujitsu circles, there is, we use for lack of a better term, hockey tape and we use it on our fingers and on our wrists because of joints and just for stability and stuff like that. It's become part of the jujitsu culture in many people. So if you look at jujitsu practitioners, you'll see they'll tape up their fingers. It's just for joints and for grip and because we have sore wrists. And so we do that a lot. So the, the hockey tape, which is normally like, I don't know, like an inch and a half maybe wide. So now they're actually quite uh, smaller, right? So different strips that can go around your fingers. And there's a few companies out there. So this is how fuzz tape came to be. Uh, there was a tape company out there, which ended up posting something. They're like the largest tape company out there. And they ended up posting something on their website about um, not supporting police uh, and blue lives matter and things like that. And uh, it pissed off the entire police community that does jujitsu. Um, in, in one felled swoop, they lost thousands of people who were part of their thing. Right. And, and it's totally up to them. It's their business. They can do what they want. And I vote again, freedom guy, do what you want. And, um, it, it doesn't mean that we weren't for black lives matter or for blue lives. So there's all this thing. So he put this information out, which was incorrect in my opinion, because he said, I did research about what it stands for. And, and of course he pissed us off. So I was uh, approached by Jason and Jason said, Hey, um, I was talking to Mike, the cop, who's a big uh, social media guy. Uh, he's, you know, um, was a police officer. And then uh, another buddy of ours, Jason from jujitsu five Oh, and the four of us got together and said, you know what, we're going to start our own uh, tape company because we now don't have a tape company to use. So let's start our own. And so we announced it and we, we went through names and we went through this creative process. And so we decided to call it fuzz tape. So fuzz tape, obviously the fuzz being police. And if you look at our logo, it's kind of a seventies inspired uh, thing. You know, the, the sunglasses, the aviators with the mustache. And so it was, it was totally fun. And that's kind of how we wanted to do it. So we started looking at suppliers and we've locked down a supplier and we're going to develop our own tape and we're going to market it to people who support police. Um, they love jujitsu and that's it. So there's, it's just a niche. There's a market there for it. We saw it. They created that other company created our business because of what they did. And I'm sure we're not going to please everyone. I understand that. And we're not, we're not against anyone. So our motto is uh, roles for everyone. So tape roles for everyone. So if you are a police person, great. If you're a first responder, great. If, you, if you're not, great. We, we don't care. If you're an enemy, great. You buy our stuff too. Like we're for everyone. We're not going to exclude you. And uh, you can buy it or you don't have to buy it. So that's how it started. So is it like super, I mean, tape is a big thing in 
obviously any sort of athletic thing, but like CrossFitters and everybody, they get kind of like obsessive about the different tools and gadgets that you can use. So like the tape, is it like flexible, super sticky, that super sticky state? Because I, I played hockey, you know, like yep. I love hockey. It's awesome. But that tape can be kind of stiff. Yep. Um, depending on which one you're putting on. So is it going to be like flexible where yep. you, obviously you jujitsu, you got to be able to move right. your joints around and stuff, right? Yeah, it's flexible. It's um, like rock climbers use it and CrossFitters do use the tape too. But so without giving any trade secrets, because I've learned a lot about tape in the last month, which I didn't know um, of what it's made out of. There's a certain materials, you know, um, sussing out the sources and stuff like that. Like, I'm one of those people that you piss me off. I'm going to do my research. And so I ended up doing my research. I'm like, okay, well, where did this other company get their tape from? Because I'm going to find out. <laughs> right. And so now we've understood the, the composition of the tape. So yeah, it's flexible. It's, it, it's real. There's really nothing to it. Right. And it's not that our tape is going to be better than anyone else's tape. I mean, it's, it's going to be, but um, it's just that, it's what people want to support, right? And the, the great thing about fuzz tape that we absolutely love is there are four of us and we're all jackasses. So we are going to make fun of ourselves. We are, we're going to be putting out these, these videos, these, you know, these 70s videos of the tape and like it's, it's totally, totally weird and fun. Um, the tape itself is not going to just be standard white tape and black tape. We're actually going to have some patterns on it, which will be really fun. So when you see one of, our competitors that are using the tape on the mat and instantly you'll go, Oh, that's a fuzz tape person. I can tell by the color of the logo or whatever they have on the tape. So that's what we're going to do. Genius. Yep. That's a genius way of doing it. Like when you actually see it on there, you know, that it's, that it's your stuff. Yeah. And I'm sure that that idea is now going to be stolen by that <laughs> other company. So yeah, actually do it. You know what I mean? Somebody has got to actually do it. Like what you said, they, these people came out and out of, like out of this well if you want to say out of emotion of people getting mad and saying blue lives you know not supporting blue lives matter or the cops or whatever you guys turn around and said there's a market for x y and c look how many people are mad at this yeah we can sell a freedom tape so to speak where you're like hey anybody can have it like this is tape this is it's like a virus it goes to anybody right yeah. And, and any company, like you're going to support what you're going to support. And, and, and I get that. And so, but we realize that there is a market out for it. And mark my words, the company will do very well. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure, man. It doesn't look like, it really doesn't look like you've lost. If you, if you like from the outside and just hearing you talk, it doesn't look like you've lost much. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? It seems like, Success, success. Now, I know that's probably not true at all, but from the outside, you know, you're saying it like this all comes from education of those losses, I'm assuming. Yeah. So, Aaron, it's taken 20 years to become an overnight success. <laughs> that's a good way of putting it. <laughs> 20 years. Uh, so, you've been pursuing businesses on your own for 20 years? Yeah. Yeah, it's been, it's been fun. So, um, and I probably won't stop, you know, like some other idea will creep in and I'd be like, Oh, well, I'm probably try this too. But right now it's, I'm, I'm in my chaos thing and, uh, 
that's kind of where I put all my time, energy, and money at the moment. So that that's going to be the fun one right now. So just for a business perspective, and somebody's out there listening, um, I know we've probably been talking. I don't even know how long we've been talking. It's just super fun. But for a business perspective, somebody's that like looking or on the edge and doesn't know if they want to take that jump or they go, Hey, Ari must've had lots of money just to throw at all these different businesses and all that sort of stuff. Does it take a lot of financial stuff or did you just work like save up, work things out, um, manage your costs? Like how did that go? Was it, did money have anything to do with it or did you just work around it? Uh, well, money is not an infant. I, I don't have a million dollars in the bank. I'm not, I don't have some secret fund or anything like that. I've, I've put myself in debt a lot, uh, over the years, uh, to do it, you know, a line of credit, credit cards. Uh, I've had money that I've saved up. So it's been all those different things. So you shouldn't be, don't handicap yourself on just the money aspect. You, you might have to start small and then move to bigger. So your vision is really important. So if you're like, you know what? I'm gonna order 10,000 watches. That's not practical. You're not gonna have the capital to do it unless you are a millionaire. So you'll have to start small and it will take an investment and you may fail. So taking the time and effort to research the market, to understand things, super important. Um, I'm all about sharing kind of secrets about the business. I think it's important that you know, I'm willing to give away more than I'm willing to receive. And maybe that's a failing, but uh, a lot of people will hold these secrets to themselves and be like, Hey, Ari, what's the secret? Or how do I go about making a logo or things like that? And like, I'm not going to tell you, uh, you just kind of figured it out because I don't want to give my secret away. That's not, that's not right. I think you should tell people. So I just was talking to one of my buddies today and he sent me some logos. Uh, he texted me and he's like, Hey, what do you think of my logos? So I looked at it and I'm like, you know what, you, you, it's a little bit too basic. And this is, this is my opinion. This is what you need. And so I, we, I started giving him all my advice on what I think about logo creation because I've created a lot of logos in my time. And I'm like, this is what you need. Um, do you just want words on it? But I think you should probably have a logo as well. I think you can do a lot more you know, creative stuff with the font. It's just basic aerial font. It's too boring. And kind of we went down that road. So I love sharing um, business tips. And I, I'm not an expert, but... Uh, I'm also a big proponent. Do you know who Gary V is? Yes. Yeah. Love Gary V. I listen to a ton of his stuff and I agree with, you know, um, much of what he says about business and uh, smart guy. So uh, you should give away a lot of stuff, right? Because if you're going to build that rapport with people, you shouldn't hold everything super close to your chest. And it's like, I'm not going to tell you, I'm not going to tell you the secrets. You got to fucking figure it out. It's like, well, do you care about people? So that, and that's, I've said this a lot and I, I firmly believe it. I think you probably get back every bit and more by giving things away with the, with the right intention for free yeah. than you ever do holding on to any secret. Like yeah. if you look at anybody who's uber successful, Gary V for example, uber successful and how he gave everything away for free. Yeah. He gave everything away for like, you can listen and really I've read his books you can get everything that's in his books for free if you really want it. If you yeah. want it, I mean, you can sit down with the book and go straight through. So that's an advantage, but you can get all of his lessons by just listening to his stuff. He gives it to you for free. Like totally. anybody who's on YouTube that's made money, they give everything away for free. They're giving their entertainment, their knowledge, their, 
They're invite everything. They're giving it all away for free. Like the people who seem to be this hit another level, they seem to do it opposite than what people think they do. And that is, no, you give it. Like you give, you just give, give, give. Like if you're in it for the right reasons, you're going to want to give. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. And um, I'm going to continue to try to do that. I mean, and I'm listening to those people who are giving free stuff away. And I should also note, I am paying for stuff too. Like I will support businesses. I will support people. I have no problem paying. When people come to you and they're like, I want free shit. I'm like, hmm. <laughs> okay. So um, I will support. I've bought so many things of friends and people that I've admired uh, just, you know, and like, did I need it? Probably not, but I wanted to support them because I know how hard small business is. And I'm such a huge proponent for small businesses. And I love seeing success stories. Like that's what gets me up in the morning. It's not just me. It's watching someone going, Hey, my podcast, just someone bought my podcast and uh, they want me to do, I'm like, that's amazing. Like good for you. So those are the, those are the victories that, that I am around for, uh, that I cheer for. Yeah, I love it, man. It gets me fired up, man. You got me fired up just talking to you. The Viking shield in the back, the whole thing, man. That's super, it's, it's awesome. Like yeah. you, I really, I enjoy your perspective on, on business, on life in general, like that you can not let something like this pandemic hold you back from pulling the trigger on starting a business. Your, your mindset's not, that's what I had Justin Sue. I don't know if you know who he is, but I had him on the, on the podcast. He's a, he works for the Tampa Bay Devil Rays, uh, the mm -hmm. baseball team, as like a, a mental coach. And he was saying like the true definition of, of being an optimist is not like the glass, like everything's roses and everything's perfect all the time. It's seeing the obstacles and then constantly trying to figure out a way to get through them. Yeah. Like you're going to be successful one way or the other that it's not a failure you know, it's a learning experience, but they, you don't ever look at it as, oh, all this bad stuff's happening to me. Woe is me. You're never a victim. You're always like, how do I get past this? Like, okay, let's stop. Let's figure it out. And right, so right. that's, that's your, like, you definitely live that sort of thing by starting all those businesses. I like, I could, I could listen to your stuff all day long. Well, I'll tell you where I got it from. And this is just a quick story. I got this problem solving from when I was probably about nine or eight years old. I started playing Dungeons and Dragons as a kid. And what role playing did was it allowed you to uh, problem solve. And everyone used to call it, you know, we were geeks and nerds and we were doing dumb shit. And, you know, the, the great thing is, is the geek shall inherit the earth. And so all this problem solving that I learned from playing role playing in Dungeons and Dragons has been applied to my everyday life. When I was going through the police process and I was being interviewed, I literally was using um, concepts and things that I learned as a kid in role playing to navigate these tough questions. And I was just like, no, it's not tough. Uh, I can do this. I'm having a conversation with people. Here's my problem solving. Like, I had a I just harder adventure with my dungeon master when I was 14 than I am with this interview, right? So <laughs> I've never obviously I've never been I was the jock, so I was never into uh Dungeons and Dragons. I'm the guy that said dorks and geeks, you know. I've I've I will still make fun of certain things just because that's it's funny. Like I joke around, but I learned a lot growing up that like okay, those like there's 
things that I like that are super dorky. And then I realized them later on. I'm like, oh, yeah, I probably should. I should probably rethink the way that I say things and do things. <laughs> but uh, that's interesting that you learned that from Dungeons and Dragons. Like, I would never have thought, you know, a, a game like that can teach you those sort of lessons. Totally. And, the, and the, the, the scary thing is, is some of the toughest people in the world are geeks that can kill you, you know? So I'm, I'm a nerd assassin now, right? You know, I'm a huge geek, but uh, I've got four black belts and uh, I can shoot a gun. So I, I'm doing okay. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to worry about much. Like, what did you call me? I don't even have to waste my time with you, Mr. Jock boy. <laughs> All right. This has been an absolute blast. Uh, let everybody know where they can find, like give them all your handles, tags, whatever, wherever they can go to find your stuff. Sure. So if you want to go to uh, my chaos site, the uh, URL is enterchaos.com and uh, selling uh, the silicon rings if you're into Brazilian jiu-jitsu and then tactical watches will land probably in October. Uh, so there's gonna be some really cool stuff on there. We have an Instagram, which is chaos rings. Uh, that's, that's there. Uh, if you want to follow our Invictus, uh, the Invictus Leo, so that's for law enforcement, first responders. It's a great cause. We are doing seminars around the country. So that's an Invictus LEO um, and official, which you can find on Instagram. We have a website, which is InvictusLeo.com. Uh, so there's that. Obviously, fuzz tape is coming. You can also find us on Instagram. You just have to put in fuzz tape and you'll see all the dumb shit that we're putting on there. Uh, and that's going to be great. And uh, the website for that is fuzztape.co. And uh, then I have my personal stuff. You can just find me on Instagram, which is R-E-K or Facebook. Yeah. I'll put it all in the show notes, man. All right. Yeah, thank, you. thank you so much. This is a blast. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks, Aaron. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the podcast. Thank you to Ari for being on. Everybody go check out all of his businesses. Go to his Instagram page. You can just click on it and tag. the. the they'll also be in the show notes. But thank you again. And until the next episode, see ya.